0: I love educating people about cannabis. It's such a fun thing that I always used to have to hide for many, many years. And when I finally became legal and I could work in the industry, my mind was blown. It was it was an avenue I never knew was even a possibility, something I never thought would ever happen in my lifetime. Oh, it's going to be a good time, man.
1: (laughs) So tell me, what do you do? How long have you been in the cannabis
0: space? Well, I've been in the cannabis industry for almost three years now and I recently left my last job so I can kind of be independent and do my own thing and I started my own podcast and now I'm kind of doing cannabis consulting on the side and I've just been kind of wanting to educate people about cannabis more and get it into people's minds that it can be part of a healthy normal lifestyle and it doesn't have to be such a taboo subject like it has been in the past.
1: Interesting. What's your like current sort of routine? Like do you smoke every night, every day? Are you constantly high 24-7 like Snoop Dogg? What's your current routine?
0: Usually it's only a couple times a day. I used to back in my younger days, I was smoking all day as much as I possibly could just kind of being crazy and trying to get as high as I possibly could. But these days I use it more medicinally and I use it more therapeutically because I've learned that it can definitely help in certain situations for different activities and put you in the right headspace for certain things.
1: Interesting. So like what when you say you use it a few times a day, uh, is it like before breakfast, before work, before like a podcast, when what situations do you use it?
0: Sometimes before meals, because there are times where I just don't get an appetite. Just like I've, I've been too busy running around doing different things and it just isn't there. So that will help me get an appetite if I have to. But my routine normally, I'll probably smoke for the first time around like 11 or so, maybe noon. Just to kind of get my, my day started, but not only with cannabis. I want to get my day started with just nice, my nice morning routine of just water, food, being with my family, you know, doing all that healthy stuff first, and then introducing the cannabis later on when I want to do other activities.
1: Interesting. And what other activities would you do with cannabis?
0: Well, anything. You can, you can take cannabis on a hike, you can take cannabis when you swim, you can take cannabis on a day trip. It's, it's really like the all-around perfect companion to anything that you really want to do. It's pretty cool. Wait, are you located in the United States? Yes, I am. I'm in Massachusetts.
1: Is it like legal to drive while high? Or what's the rules about that?
0: No, actually, when I would actually work at the store, we had to inform every single customer that you cannot consume cannabis while you're operating a motor vehicle. And you actually have to keep it out of reach of the driver when you're traveling with it, just so they can't say that you were trying to smoke while you were driving.
1: Interesting. And in America, do they have like, do do they have like stops where they pull cars aside to do like alcohol testing? And do they do like weed testing? Is that possible? Is that a common thing?
0: No. Unfortunately, there's no real way to test someone's high level in the moment because someone can have THC in their blood from things that they smoked weeks ago and it will still show up at low levels in their blood. So you can't really tell how stoned someone is by doing any kind of tests like that. Interesting. It's all subjective. Yeah. Huh.
1: Okay. Because when I was in America, I was working in a startup in San Francisco and um, one of the products we were working on, we were, we were working on this like medical sort of app but then prior, before I came, they had this sort of weed product, it was called Cubano's. It was like basically like a weed cigar, um, it was wrapped in this special leaf and they just had a bunch of weed just lying around everywhere. So I remember like coming in like every night, we would just all get stoned and get high but then my my boss and mentor we, he found a way to sort of use it as like a brainstorming session he used it not to just get lazy and just zen out but like he used it to come up with ideas and everyone would be talking everyone bouncing ideas back and forth and it was a brainstorming session and we did that every single night um and the one of our team members he would do it throughout the day like he would do it when he wanted to code and wanted to get into the zone or when he would rock climb so he did it all the time but my boss and most of the team is we did it every single night and it also help us switch off to sleep i guess
0: it's kind of like a team building exercise too at that point because you are all socially engaging in that and all trying to help each other get different ideas and solve problems
1: what's your thoughts on like we use like a bong most of the time. And we we had this long sort of glass jar bong and my boss, he would put in ice. He would put in ice and it created like this different experience. Yeah.
0: It's so refreshing. Yeah, it's an um, uh, ice catcher bong. It has three little indents so it can catch ice cubes. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so that's
0: uh, a cool trick for those. If you ever had any, have you seen things like whiskey stones or like reusable steel ice cubes? You can put reusable ice cubes inside that and bong too, and it. it won't melt and cause overflow of any water at the bottom of it. Because that was an issue I ran into a lot with, like putting ice in bongs. Yeah. You just forget about it, and it will just melt, and later on you a have water on, on your floors.
1: That's true. Um, is it true that edibles are more safer for your lungs compared to um, bongs? And is it true smoking out a bong is more safer for your lungs compared to going straight from the joint?
0: Well, edibles are definitely safer for your lungs because they don't interfere with your lungs at all. It goes straight to your to your liver and gets converted from regular THC into 11-hydroxy-THC, so it's a totally different experience even than just regular smoking. And smoking through a bong, it does make it a little bit cleaner of an experience than smoking through a joint, but it does not, like, remove everything.
1: Does mm, this experience where... I ate some edibles for like the first time and I felt nothing for for, like a few hours for the longest time. And I I had lunch, I walked around and I was fine. They'll
0: sneak up on
1: you. And then I was driving home. It was like four hours later and it hit me while I was driving and I was just trying to stay focused. I was like, why is it hitting me now? It's weird. It's like a whole
0: head and body experience. You're like, oh my word. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's weird. It's like a lot of, I've noticed a lot of drugs, they sort of hit you when you don't want it to hit you.
0: Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. That's why you have to like time your edibles properly. And if you have anything in your stomach, even that can extend the amount of time until it affects you, too.
1: Mm, Interesting. So tell me about like the consulting you do.
0: Well, right now, I'm actually helping somebody come up with different ideas for which cannabis to source from different companies and what kind of flavor profiles he wants and what effects he's really going for. And my, my business is basically trying to get whatever company needs me to help with whatever product and get that product to as many people as can possibly be seen to it and try to get the interest as much as possible for that product. And right now, what I'm helping my friend with, I don't want to reveal his name or anything, but I'm helping him pick certain strains and go with certain terpene profiles that he wants to get certain effects and it's pretty cool it there's a lot more that goes into cannabis than just THC percentage with that's what everybody always tries to sell on and I compare always trying to buy on THC percentage like always trying to buy the strongest version of alcohol you don't always have to buy like Everclear clear grain alcohol to enjoy alcohol. So with cannabis, I've learned that always going for the higher stuff is not always what you want to do. And a lot of the times lower stuff with different terpene profiles, and that's all the flavors with different terpene profiles will actually give you way better effects than a strain with a higher THC percentage.
1: Interesting. And I remember like they had all these different like weed trends like bubble kush um something forest like it was all these different names and all these different strains and i can definitely tell each one um tasted different when i smoked it um why is that is it literally different plants or is it still the same marijuana
0: it's all the same marijuana but terpenes are responsible for giving almost every single thing that we eat and drink its own particular smell and taste and they're also responsible for giving every single strain of cannabis its own smell and taste so it's the same chemicals that make an orange smell like an orange that make cannabis smell like an orange but has that smell it's really cool how terpenes are just in food and they transfer really easily to try to understand the flavors to cannabis
1: how do strains work is is like a different strange
0: strain A literally a different plant like what's a strain a strain is just a different kind of cannabis. There are two different kinds of cannabis. Well, three technically. There's Indica, Sativa, and then ruderalis. Ruderalis people don't really talk about it too much. That's called autoflowers. They're basically cannabis that grows really, really fast. And it can be either Indica or Sativa. But it's separate from Indica and Sativa normally because those will take seven months to grow normally around in a growing season. But autoflowers can grow in around three months. So that's the only real difference in like species but other than that strains are just the different characteristic terpenes that grow into them as they as they mature and as they grow with the environment that they're in it's it's really strange but a lot of strains are hybrids because they've just been crossed over the years so it's kind of hard to distinguish one particular kind of strain anymore these days and a lot of the strains will give you very similar effects. So that's why I believe terpenes are very important because if you smell a strain that gives you a certain effect and you smell that same smell in a different strain, almost guaranteed you're gonna get those same effects regardless of whether somebody says it's indica or sativa. That doesn't really matter. It only really matters how it affects your body and every body takes every single strain differently.
1: So what's the terpenes? Tell me about that. Is it? part of like the plant itself is it something that people add on top after they manufacture
0: the weed no there are little molecules that are in the plant inherently inside of it already and they grow and mature with the plant itself and the reason that a lot of cannabis doesn't really have a, a super strong smell is because they'll overdry dry it and basically the terpenes are little molecules that can evaporate because they're little oils so they will evaporate from overdrying, drying but they just grow with the plant normally
1: Interesting. And tell me more, what's the auto flowers? What's that? Like, is, is it like a weed? Where does it come from? What is it used for?
0: Auto flowers. it's just an easier version of cannabis to grow. And it just grows more like a, a traditional weed does. It just grows in kind of any condition. It can grow in a cold condition. It can grow in a super hot condition. And people just have found that these are the easiest ones to start with growing if you're going to be a beginner in growing. They're also the easiest to mess up because they do grow so fast. There's not as much time to fix a problem like a mite infestation or something like that or a, a deficiency from some from some different nutrient. So you really have to be on top of it every single day. And you can't take any days off from watching it like you could from a regular weed plant.
1: And what's like the downside of water flowers?
0: Just the downside would be that you really have to pay attention to it because one day of not paying attention to it and you got mold one day of not paying attention to it and you got a calcium or a potassium deficiency, you know, like there's so many different things in it that can go wrong so fast that you really have to be paying attention to it, but it does grow pretty easily and pretty quick. So as long as you're paying attention to it and watering it every day and just watching as as it grows, it's pretty easy.
1: Interesting. And then when you're picking like all the different strains and all the different effects, tell me about how that works.
0: Well, it comes down a lot to different patients, personal experiences and writing their own effects. So a lot of my work comes down to reading lots of different people's experiences with different strains to kind of come to one cohesive feeling that this strain will give you. And that's kind of hard. But most of the time it's all right, read a couple hundred different people's reviews of this one strain and come up with a blurb or like a paragraph to like this is the effects that you can typically expect from this from all these different people's experiences and that's really what it comes down to trying to do the research from just hearing everyone else's experiences of that because it is so subjective that like i said one thing an indica for somebody can be a sativa for somebody else an uplifting strain for someone can be a more relaxing strain for somebody else so you really have to go with your own body and what your body likes and that is where terpenes come into play because if your body likes the way it smells it's probably gonna like the effects that you get from it too
1: how many of these strain sort of blurbs merges have you created so far
0: i've done a lot um i used to write a bunch of different like uh, basically i would have a new strain that came into my job and no one had ever tried it before and i would have to try to come up with some cohesive explanation for this strain so that everybody else in the company would be able to understand it without having tried it yet. And so that was, that was hard, but it's probably been around like 60 different products or so that I've done different reviews for. And some of them are on my YouTube channel. And now I have just started mostly doing like product reviews, like accessory reviews and stuff like that. Some terpene videos specifically, where I talk about different terpenes and the effects that they might give to you and different studies that are done with them and how they've actually affected people.
1: Where do like new strains come from? Like how do people keep coming up with more and more new strains?
0: Basically, it's it's all botany. It's all comes down to cross-pollination. So you can take one strain that's a female version of that strain and take a male version of another strain. And that just comes when you grow them at a certain point, you can tell if it's a male or a female. And usually the male strains just get thrown away because they're not gonna yield any buds for you. But people that love farming and like crossing uh, different strains and stuff, they will keep the males and they'll actually use them to pollinate the females. So that is how new strains just kind of come to be. Someone was being kind of uh, crazy and Frankensteining two different strains together and pollinating one with some stuff from another one and, and seeing what happens. And then a new strain will come up. Are
1: there strains that are like 100% Indica?
0: It's hard to say for indica, but there there are a couple. Afghani is one that's straight from Afghanistan. That's pure indica because it's a land race strain. And um, so is Durban. That's another land race strain that is 100% sativa. So that's the, the total other end of the spectrum. But it's very few and far between these days to find those like classic OG strains just because they've been crossed so much. And it's hard to trust sometimes what people are telling you the strain is if you don't have any validation of, Like where they got those seeds, or if it's not in an official store, you know, if you just got it from your buddy, it's kind of hard to validate that still. But as long as you have a trusted, reliable source, and they got good quality seeds from somebody that's a value, that's a verified like seed dealer, because there are seed banks that are reputable online, and those people are going to be the ones that grow the best product because people are going to trust them and they'll usually post all their updates and stuff on Instagram or on social media so you can just watch the whole process and that's what people want they want honesty like transparency from all the people where they're getting their product from and yeah
1: interesting and which one I can't remember was was Indica or Sativa which one's the one where it
0: gets you talking a lot and which one's the one where it knocks you out? sativa is the more uplifting like energizing one and indica we usually say indica means in the couch so you're going to be more relaxed with an an indica so
1: what's a a strand that's like nearly
0: 100 percent sativa besides durban durban okay yeah durban is one durban is one
1: and does it mean durban is really expensive or hard to get because of that or is it pretty normal
0: not necessarily no it it just becomes another choice that someone can choose but there are some particular strains that might be upcharged a little bit depending on if like a celebrity is releasing it or something like that if they have a brand deal with them or if it's a brand new dispensary and they're already well known in other states they can kind of upcharge for their products a little bit but most of the time it's all the same general price
1: interesting it's strange like to me i i think that i'd either want to pick something that is either sativa when i really want to brainstorm come with ideas have fun and bounce ideas with friends or if i want to do indica if i want to watch a movie and just chill and zen out mm-hmm. and then in between is like pretty meh for me um that's sort of my preference i guess um
0: yeah What's the point point yeah. of and that's totally like... fine you what's... found what works for you
1: yeah, well, what's the point of mixing it up and then doing like 40% Indica, 60% Sativa, 30, 70, 45, 65. Isn't it all the same at that point if you're
0: mixing all these different ratio? Basically, you just kind of get the best of both worlds. And the ratio just comes from the amount of Sativa and the parent strains and Indica and in the parent strains. Then they just do the, the math and divide it out to be like 60%, 40% for whatever the parents had in their percentages. But yeah, the, those ratios aren't really super important because it really just comes down to what the strain does for you. And you don't really know until you try it, because I've had some things that say they're more sativa leaning, but then they still make me feel more body heavy and more relaxed. So it's kind, sometimes it's kind of a toss up until you learn your own body really well. And then you're going to find the strain that works best for you and it will keep working for you
1: interesting so what other type of effects that you can sort of optimize for like when you're sort of doing your thing where you're mixing things and creating like a desired effect Um, i guess there's like that uplifting sativa feel there's like the in the couch indica feel there's that body high feel i guess what other effects can you sort of try to reach for
0: There are lots of different medicinal benefits. There's analgesic pain relief. There's different muscle relief that it can give you. It can basically help with sciatica, arthritis, any kind of body pain. It's great for that. Any kind of stress, basically anxiety, stress. People use it for PTSD. People use it for uh, antidepressants. So it's actually used these days a lot more medicinally for those benefits instead of just a being, being super stone feeling that people used to always use it for.
1: Interesting. So let's say you're releasing your own marijuana, your own weed product. Um, it's the first one. It's going to be the signature one. Tell me the, the, the perfect formula that you'd like to release if you are going to release a product.
0: I'd have to have some Myrcene in that because Myrcene is the the terpene that makes mangoes, taste like mangoes. And that terpene, it it gives you a lot of pain relief, but it also gives you super relaxing body high. So that's a very, very strong contender to why people get that locked couch lock feeling is Myrcene. I would definitely want my product to have some of that to be a heavy hitter. But I would also want it to have a little bit of an energizing edge. So I would have some limonene in there too. So I would try to find strains that have those terpenes as dominant terpenes. And then I would have to look at the different testing information to see like which grows from different companies have those terpenes as dominant terpenes. Because unfortunately, you can say that most of the time, a particular strain will have certain terpene percentages in it. But every single grow is different and every single grow gets its own lab testing to show you exactly how much of these particular levels of terpenes are in each strain. So then I would have to, you know, try to search from there to see which strain meets my criteria for what I'm actually trying to put out.
1: Interesting. So let's uh, recap that or slow it down. So you want that, that, that first, what's that first one you mentioned called? Um,
0: myrcene? myrcene. Yeah, myrcene.
1: It's just the mango terpenes. Got it. So it tastes like mango. It has a mango flavor and the mirror scene also gives you that body high and it sort of is mm-hmm. pain A lot of pain
0: relief too. So, so it's great wanting... for after a long day of work. Oh yeah.
1: Got it. So you want to get that strain and you'd want to mix it with something that uplifts you. Something like lime, lemon. Did you say? It's, got a, yeah, it's
0: called limonene. Yeah, it's what limonene. makes lime taste like limes. Yeah. Limonene Just so lime. you
1: wouldn't fall asleep. Got it. And that would probably be more of like a sativa then Um, and and you would mix those two and that would be your product.
0: I would just try to find a strain or something that already has those two things inherently in it. So I wouldn't have to really mix too many things. You know what I mean?
1: Interesting. So you would find a strain that is a combination of those two. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, it,
0: that's what's really cool. You can kind of cater your own experience these days to whatever you're looking for.
1: Mm-hmm. And then this combination, since that, do, do you do you personally have a strain that, that you smoke that has this combination that you'd wish to have or have you not looked
0: into it I yet? like, um, one of my favorites is ayahuasca purple. It always has those two terpenes in very high concentrations and it's a very old school, like 70s strain. And I got, I was very lucky enough to get um, concentrates of it, which is like the, it's almost the purest form of cannabis that you can get, because what they'll do is they'll take the cannabis product and refine it to a point where it's a small piece of either wax or kind of a syrupy consistency, and it's called dabs uh, or different concentrates. And I tried to concentrate of that, and I tasted that flavor so immensely, and the effects that it gave me. And that was when I first became a patient. It was one of the first strains I ever tried, and it was astounding what it did for me. And I will never forget how it tastes. And to this day, like that's one of my favorites.
1: Wow! And do you still get a similar effect when you do it now, or or you you sort of you can't reach that first time feeling anymore?
0: If I can ever, if I can ever find that strain, yeah, but. I always go for different effects. That's the thing. I'll have different things for different times of the day, but I haven't been lucky enough to find that particular product in a couple of years because the companies will not always grow the same batches and produce the same concentrates all the time, all year round. Sometimes they'll have limited runs of certain grows and whatever couple pounds that they grew from that run, they'll sell a pound of it as flour and maybe make a pound of it into concentrates. And with that, You get a lower amount of product, you only get grams out of it from pounds, but you can sell it for a higher price. So that's why it's it's become such a limited, more kind of um, a novelty thing, but people will pay top dollar for for concentrates and for dabs.
1: Interesting, and are there any flour? Could you get the flour version of that, or is that also impossible to get?
0: It's not impossible to get but I'd have to do a lot of driving around the state because unfortunately some of these dispensaries will also wholesale stuff all around the state. So you can find that at one dispensary but that dispensary will sell out of it and then the only other place that will have will be two or three hours away, you know.
1: Interesting, have you ever thought about growing all these rare ones that you know people want but there isn't enough supply?
0: I've thought about it I have some I have a couple seeds that my wife and I have uh, been saving for northern lights and for sour diesel that we're gonna probably start trying to grow soon
1: Nice and ha- will you be growing it indoors and use like hanging lights or what's the best conditions
0: well we have we have a porch that has sun almost all the entire day so it's going to be kind of a mix and match of outdoor sun but indoor growing because we're we have it inside of our, our second floor porch
1: the concentrates. do you just put in, like, is it consumed through the mouth? Is that, you just eat it? How does it work?
0: I actually have, uh, I actually have one of the pieces, the devices right here. You would use, it looks like a regular bong, in almost every sense of the word, it is a regular bong. Because the yeah. body of it's the same, this part's the same, the downstem. The only part that's different is this little bucket looking thing on the end of it. Yeah. And this is a little And what you do with the concentrate, you put it into that little bucket, and what I like to do, there's a couple different ways you could do it. I put this little cap on and then I'll use a little torch to heat it up and melt the concentrate inside of there. And once it starts melting and creating a little bit of vapor, mm-hmm. I'll just hit it right through here. And that's called a cold start dab. What other people usually like to do, but I feel like it's more wasteful. They'll take their torch and they'll light it. Let me see what I They'll light it for like 30 or 40 seconds and then put the material into it and then cover it and then hit it like that. But I've just learned that that just gives you less time to enjoy the material. I, if you do it the way I said, and you put it in initially and then you heat it up, you will get you will get probably four or five or six hits out of it. But if you do a regular dab, most of the time it's like two or three hits out of it. And it's just because it's such a hotter surface, you're trying to heat it up to basically like 700 degrees initially to let it cool down to around 400, 500 degrees to when you wanna put it in. But doing it at a cold start, you're heating it up to that temperature so it never gets so hot that you're wasting any material.
1: Yeah, my um, my boss, he, he taught me this method called stacking
0: where you
1: would take a deep breath in, you would hold it in your lungs for like five, six seconds. You would let out half and take another deep breath in and you hold it in again. You can do that like, 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 I would do it like Three, four times. And, and technically, yeah, it, it's like you're getting four hits out of
0: one hit. Is, is that true? It kind of is because people don't realize that your lungs only have a limited amount of THC that they can absorb at any given time. So uh, absorbing your THC over multiple breaths is going to make the best use of it. And your body's not going to be wasting as much of it frivolously, you know?
1: So literally, you can. 4x the amount of high or THC you get out of a joint or out of a bud by just stacking every single hit but I think people don't do it because it looks funny and and
0: it's weird I guess but but, yeah you can just but it works yeah yeah if it works for you yeah who who cares cares if it looks weird but it definitely works it definitely works
1: yeah how about what's your thoughts on the packs Uh, I've, I've I've used the packs where it has a chamber and you put in the flour until it heats it up. It's much lighter, but for some reason, the high feels much less. And it feels like it fades away much quicker, even though you're smoking the same
0: weed. I've had, yeah, I've had a bunch of drier vaporizers over the years. And I, that was my only issue with them too. It kind of gets you high, but only to a certain amount. And that's because certain cannabinoids and certain terpenes, which are the things that are going to give you the overall effect of being stoned in your brain that cross your blood brain barrier, those things have to get to a certain temperature to vaporize. And in a drier vape, they usually don't get to that temperature. It's controlling it to only bake it to like 450, maybe maybe 500 if the vape goes that hot. But it's not getting to the point of combustion where you're going to get some more out of it. And that's why after you use a dryer vape, you can still use that weed as an edible because it still has THC in it. It still has other cannabinoids in it and it didn't get everything out of it when you vaporized it. That's the only reason you can still use it afterwards.
1: Interesting. Would you, which option would you prefer? Option one, put the weed into like a joint and then just smoke it from the joint. Option two, put the weed through a vaporizer, use, the vaporizer till it's gone, and then use the remaining weed and put it into an edible.
0: So option one or two. I, see, I prefer option two, but option number, I mean, I mean, option, I prefer option one, but option two is more frugal, where you're you're preserving it for a longer amount of time, being able to use it for a longer amount of time. So I definitely prefer a joint, but I, I totally would have to, in reality, practice with a vaporizer, because I, I would just want to reuse the, the bud. I wouldn't want to let anything go to waste. There was a time when I first got a vape, I would throw my my vaporized butt away, thinking it was no good for anything anymore. Mm. Dump it down the toilet, throw it outside. Like, oh, it's all burned up. I don't want it anymore. And a friend told me you could save it and eat it. And I looked it up online to make sure it was true. It turns out it was true. And people have been doing it for years. (laughs) So you're basically cooking it in a tiny oven. And people have been cooking their butt in ovens to decarboxylate it for years because then all you have to do is put it into whatever edible and you don't have to cook the actual edible product to the point where you have to vaporize the THC because that's always the hardest part. If you just put regular dried weed that you could smoke into an edible, you would have to technically cook that edible until 450 degrees so it could release the THC into that food product. And you don't want to do that, it's going to burn. So you'd have to pre-cook the weed in the old days, grind it all up and put it in some brownies. And that's how, before people used to make butter, that was the, the quickest way to do it.
1: Interesting. So after you smoke all the weed out of the chamber, now the, the weed looks like, sort of, it looks, it's not black, it's like really dark green and it's... it's really like
0: tobacco beautiful. almost, yeah. yeah.
1: So you can take that and you can literally um, put it into like a brownie and I guess like Google like how to make... Uh, edible brownies and then i just mix it in
0: yeah i've seen people put it in yogurt put it in ice cream like i used to put it on peanut butter sandwiches and eat it quick oh so you just eat it sh- eat it straight, straight it's from-
1: already activated and then what type
0: of high do you get from that that's just you get the same high as an edible because what that's doing is decarboxylating it which is what your body does to it and your liver to Convert it to a different chemical. So you're pre-doing that so it can just get absorbed into your stomach
1: No way because i've always thrown it away yeah. I've always thrown that's it. that's what away. I did too.
0: I did for years man for years yeah, Then I, I had a little jar that was all my my already been bathed bud. It was like little brown powder
1: So I could literally put that brown powder into ice cream or yoga and just eat it
0: Yep, I, w- I would say first like crush it up just so it's really smooth because I've tried to do it just straight out of it, super crunchy, kind of gross to so definitely grind it up a little bit and mix it into whatever you're gonna eat.
1: Interesting, now let's say you live in a country like Australia where weed is not legal and the weed you get is like through a dealer, like is the weed any more dangerous or dirty or, or like can kingies do like all, the, all these things we're talking about or or is it more safer in America where you're buying it from some weed shop and the weed is clean and, and or is there no difference?
0: See it can it can kind of go both ways because there are situations where even in legal weed shops There are some sketchy backroom dealings going on where moldy products got passed because someone didn't check the product correctly and they get sold. And it was really because the company didn't want to have to pay another company to test the product. So they paid this company more to give them a passing grade on it. So stuff like that kind of makes me weary sometimes of the legal cannabis market. I would much prefer to get stuff from a a close friend or like, a degree away a friend of a friend that i know is growing just good quality flour without adding anything into it no pesticides no extra chemicals into it because i have heard some horror stories of people getting like hemp cbd weed and spraying it with chemicals like research chemicals that i, I have no idea what it was and when the people smoke it they kind of go psychotic a little bit like that k2 and spice stuff from years back that was always a scary thing that it it put in my mind, why don't we just make weed legal? Why are we putting all these horrible, dangerous substitutes onto the market? But that being said, if you don't really know your source and you're kind of just getting it from someone that you don't really know, it can be more dangerous because they could have used pesticides on it as it grew. And you don't know how careful they were with it. You don't know the growing environments if they were being super stringent with all the, the elements that they had their plant around. So I would prefer to get it from a friend of a friend or a close friend or grow grower yourself.
1: Now, if it smokes okay, does it mean
0: it's edible okay? Yeah, because anything that you can smoke can be used as an edible, can be used in an edible. But usually what they would do is take lower quality products and use that in edibles, like all the bottom of the bag stuff and all the shake and everything. They'll grind that up to make it all one cohesive thing and then they'll cook that. Put it in edibles or make oil out of it and put that into edibles just because it's lower quality product that still has something in it, but no one really wants to smoke it. So usually all the nice buds is sold and all the other lower quality stuff is is used in other things.
1: Another thing I, I was taught was that when you're smoking with a bong and you're using bud, rather than a lot of people would put it in a grinder, crush it up and put it into the 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 sort of the bowl? The bowl, that's right, the bowl. But yeah. I was taught that it's better to like like sort of take little sort of but like break up the bud into smaller sort of flowers and just putting it directly in and not sort of crushing and not making it tiny and just putting the whole sort of flower in and sort of lighting it like that is that more wasteful is it better what's your thoughts on that
0: my thoughts on that is you will definitely taste it nicer but you're going to have to hold whatever flame you're holding to it for a longer time because it's a denser material. Mm. The only That's the only problem. And if you're going to do that, I would suggest using hemp wick, which is like a, a wick that you can light with a lighter. And you don't have to have all the butane going into your lungs as you're hitting it. So you can just use that instead. So that's what I would suggest if you're going to do that. But what I've learned is that when you grind up bud, it, although it might take a little bit of the flavor away because it's not preserved in the integrity of the entire nugget. It will burn more evenly because it's an even surface for the fire to cover better. Interesting. The more surface area, the be- more evenly it's going to burn.
1: Now tell me, wh- what is moldy product? How does we go moldy?
0: What's the best way to store it? Can get moldy after you bought it? It can. Unfortunately, if you have your product in a damp environment of any way, shape, or form, like if you have it in a laundry room or in like just next to a water heater or something, it can get moldy if it's not in an airtight container. And unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes products will get sold that are moldy right in store, and they really shouldn't be. They should have already been tested very strictly for any kind of mold, any kind of bacteria. And, but the problem is, it can be dangerous if you smoke it because you're breathing in spores. And that's not, that's never good. The best way to store your flour is in a dark, airtight container preferably with a humidity pack, something like this. This mm-hmm. will control the humidity inside whatever container you put it into, and that will keep it from drying out too much, and will also preserve any terpenes and the flavor as much as possible, and then give it a little bit more life back into dry weed.
1: Interesting. And so I guess, how about just like putting in a simple Ziploc sandwich bag?
0: I mean, you could. You could, but it's being exposed to light, which will make it more pale, which will make some of the stuff evaporate on it. And it will just be a subpar product if you leave it in there forever. Or, I mean, if you leave it in there for a short amount of time for a couple days or so, and then you put it into a jar and you transfer it, that's fine. But not for extended use.
1: Oh, damn. Okay. Um, could you tell if it gets moldy? Is that obvious or is it not obvious?
0: it will be very obvious yeah you'll look at your bud and it will have like white fuzz on it very like apparent. like that that does not look like cannabis to me it does not look like trichomes or crystals or anything it looks like white fuzz
1: now how long can you store weed how
0: long is weed good for in an airtight container you can store weed for years Mm -hmm. i've heard of people vacuum sealing weed for years and then using it later on and it's totally fine. There there have been people stories on Reddit, people find their like parent stash from the 70s and they can still smoke it because it was in an airtight mason jar. They didn't really get them super high, but it was fine. Could you literally just- it, it, it can last years. So is, is
1: this a okay idea where you just have the, you bought the weed from the dealer, it's in a Ziploc sandwich bag, you put it into like a normal jar, like a honey jar then you put that jar into like a closet.
0: That's perfect, that should be fine, yeah. Okay,
1: super cool. Now, back in the days when weed wasn't like legal in America, was it hard to like find sativa, indica, know the different strands and and so get the ones you wanted because it felt like every time you go to a dealer, they might have a different batch, the dealer doesn't really know what type of weed it is and it's just all like you're sort of It's, you go in blind each time.
0: That was exactly what it was. You, we didn't really get a choice. It wasn't until many years into my consuming cannabis that people actually started having varieties and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, you have a smorgasbord for me. I can actually choose more than one kind. This is crazy to me. And so it was, Very rare that you got to choose what strain you wanted, and it was really just the dealer got this new kind, said it's better than his last kind, so we're gonna try it this week, guys. So it's the only time we got.
1: Uh, super cool. How did you, um, Nate, how did you end up learning about all of this stuff? Well, what got you into it? Um, tell me about that.
0: Well, when I was 15 was the first time I ever smoked. And of course, back then, it was more of just a fun social experience thing. But when I realized that people had been using it for 1000s of years, literally 1000s of years as a medicine, topically on your skin, in your eyes for glaucoma, like for pain, so many different things that it can be used for. And That inspired me when I was younger to just, I've always wanted to work in this industry and learn as much as I possibly can about this. And when I finally got the chance, it was incredible. And I just wanted to keep learning because it was my job to help customers to try to get to where they wanted to be with their cannabis. So I became very like... Uh, insistent on trying to get you the weed that's going to be best for you. I want you to smell every single strain that I think is going to be good for you. And let you let me know when you find one that smells good to you. And I will give you my thoughts and feedback on that particular strain. That's, that's always been how I've been. And I just, I love educating people about cannabis. And I've, it's just, it's such a fun thing that I always used to have to hide from everyone in my life for many many years. And when I finally became legal and I could work in the industry, my mind was blown. It was it was an avenue I never knew was even a possibility. Something I never thought would ever happen in my lifetime. So it was it was that that was what really did it for me when I learned that it has medicinal benefits that people have been using forever for like for as long as we can conceive of knowing about cannabis like 4 or 5000 years. That's crazy to me. And that just shows me that the longevity of it and how and like impressive it really is as a medicine
1: interesting tell me about that chance like how did you end up turning this into like a full-time job um, that you can use and you know you have a son um what's your advice because a lot of people would love to do what you're doing as a full-time job um how did you get there and what's your advice
0: basically i kind of fell into it it was luck i knew a friend who like ran a hall and a company had rented that hall out and was doing interviews there on the spa like that day. And he let me know that the company was there doing interviews and that I should show up and I should apply. I was a cook in a kitchen at the time in a hospital and it just seemed like a crazy opportunity. I rushed down to the place before they ended it, like five minutes before they closed. And that was getting my foot in the door. So there are so many possibilities. If you're out there and you want to work in this industry, You can work in any different part of the industry. There's security, there's cultivation, there's finances, there's HR, there's retail, there's the inventory. It's basically just like any other business that you can work at. And it's not such a crazy thing anymore to be able to work in this industry. So just anyone that wants to, don't give up. Keep trying to find your one opportunity because you never know when that chance meeting will turn into what you want to do.
1: Interesting, and I sort of I working in like one company, or sort of doing consulting for a few different companies. Um, yeah, right
0: now I'm just uh, kind of doing yeah different 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 companies.
1: Interesting, and how do you find these different consulting gigs? Do you do a lot of outreach? Is it word of mouth? Do they come to you? Are there periods where you have no gigs at all, and you're like, what do I
0: do? <laughs> sometimes yes but sometimes it's word of mouth and a couple of times they've actually come to me and that's pretty cool
1: interesting so zero outreach
0: yeah honestly not not much outreach
1: wow and then how long are each one of these consulting gigs um and is it It like
0: it all depends on what they need and what their project is and what they're trying to accomplish
1: very cool very cool tell me about your podcast now
0: My podcast is called The Dad Who Dabs, and it's just basically kind of behind the scenes of my YouTube channel, upcoming videos, sometimes uh, cannabis news. The last episode I did, I talked about autism, about my son, and it's been a really cool opportunity because I used to do a podcast many, many years ago when I was a kid, and it's just a whole different animal now, actually, where everyone listens to podcasts. Before, no one used to listen to them. It was a, a weird novelty thing. So now it's kind of cool that it's, it's more mainstream.
1: Beautiful. A lot of our audience are people in the consulting space where um, they do consulting, whether it's for like e-commerce, marketing, um, personal development, coaching. Um, what's your advice for consultants? Is it create content? Is it to offer free value? Is it to um, charge? you know, small amounts hourly or crate create packages. What's your general advice for consulting? You're
0: basically hitting the nail yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head. Give give some free value, try to educate as much as possible, be approachable and show your value and what you can do.
1: That's amazing. Nate, I really appreciate it, Tante. Where can people follow your podcast? How how can they learn more about um, you and follow you on your journey?
0: you can check out my podcast on spotify dad who dabs or on youtube diligent dabber and um yeah i appreciate it i just want to sh- spread cannabis to the world and show everyone that cannabis doesn't have to be taboo anymore it can be part of your daily life and it can just make your life better
1: that's beautiful thank you so much i just really love your energy Niger. so you got this high energy this authenticity and you bring a lot of energy to the room and i love that about you and i love how passionate you are about this and i'm so happy that you've been able to turn your passion into a full-time job i appreciate that andy awesome guys so yeah that's another episode of the podcast hope you guys got value from this episode this is a different episode so i'm really really excited to get your feedback um and i really want to do these different topics and these different sort of um rabbit holes i can dig into so hopefully you guys enjoy this episode Um, That's another episode of the podcast, and I'll see you guys next week with another episode. Peace.